This is a story of sorts. Please note that it includes some family violence and strong language. If you are not okay with hearing this difficult sample of reality, I suggest you skip this episode of the podcast. With that caution in mind, let's set the framework and then meet the people who live through the storm. Signs that your family and children are at risk may be big events, but usually are not. For example, we were at the airport waiting on our plane. In the snack area, a father at the table next to us spilled his drink in his lap. He reacted with a mild expletive. His seven-year-old daughter flinched and bumped the table. Mother reacted by smacking the child and telling her to shut up and be quiet. The youngster started crying, and the adults exchanged nasty words about how things were going as badly as they had expected. This brief scene highlights the interrelatedness of marriage, children, and parenting. The marriage has problems when the adults are expecting things to go badly and exchange nasty words over a little spilled milk. Parenting is a problem when the first reaction is to smack the child. Since this was likely not the first time she had been hit over nothing, the cumulative assault to her self-esteem and emotional growth is scary. In less than 20 seconds, the family's risk point had come and gone, and dad, mom, and the seven-year-old were all worse off. Let's consider the family system. It is important for you to understand your family as a system. What does this mean? The easiest way to understand your family as a system is to think about the people in your family. Each of you has his or her interests and preferences, typical behavior and attitudes, personal values and beliefs. Your family is more than its members though, and understanding takes more than knowing about each person and his or her behavior and attitudes. You need to understand how you get along with each other. Seeing how people get along with each other is a little complicated. It is not as simple as looking and describing what you see. A convenient way to think about this is to divide getting along into areas. Visualize a chart with rows and columns. Down the side of the chart you can see the four main areas of getting along. These are relationships, communication, problem solving, and decision making. Across the top you can see the most important dimensions of getting along. They are behavior, emotions, and values. Somewhat simplistically, behavior is what people do. Emotions and values combine to form their attitudes. Using our imaginary chart, we see that there are 12 combinations, relationships behavior, relationships emotions, relationships values, communication behavior, communication emotions, etc. Only having a dozen things to think about makes it easier for us to understand the getting along part of the family system. For example, think about you and your spouse. Now focus on your communication. With this focus, answer these questions. How do you behave when communicating with your spouse? What do you say and do? What emotions do you express while communicating? Are you calm, happy, angry, frustrated, indifferent? What values do you communicate? Is your spouse important or an irritation? Is talking with your spouse a pleasure or a nuisance? Are you a worthwhile person with something important to say or hardly worth your spouse's bother? Follow the same process for how you relate to each other. Think about your behavior, emotions, and values. Do the same for problem solving and decision making. As you get into this activity, you will develop a clearer and clearer picture of how the two of you get along. There is an additional perspective you need to develop to fully understand your family as a system. Think about the 12 blocks in our imaginary chart. As you know, 
there are at least two sides to every story. The same holds for each of the 12 blocks in our chart. Each person has his or her point of view about what happens, about getting along. For example, the family in the scene at the airport all experienced the behavior and attitudes described earlier. Do you think each of them saw it the same way? If you were to ask each of them to tell you what happened, what do you think they would say? If you asked each of them to tell you how they get along, what responses would you get? You can at least be sure the seven-year-old would tell a different story than her parents. Try this. Use the 12 blocks in our chart. Take the point of view of the child. Now answer these questions. How do my parents relate to me? What are their behavior, emotions, and values as they interact with me? How do my parents communicate with me? What do they say and do? What emotions do they convey? How do they value me? How do they solve problems? What do they do? How do they feel about things? And what is most important to them? What about my parents' decision making? How do they manage their emotions as they make decisions? What values do they use to make decisions? Who makes the family's decisions? How did you do? Are you getting a picture of how the family gets along from the child's perspective? You can see how this picture is very different than the one you would get if you were to assess how they get along from the point of view of the father or mother. Each perspective needs to be given full consideration. For the next vignette, focus your attention on relationships, communication, problem solving, and decision making. Instead of emphasizing the individuals, ask yourself how the people get along with each other. TJ had just turned six, and Leroy and his mother had been married for about a year and a half. TJ was not sure of Leroy, could not quite let him fit in, could not quite fit himself in with Leroy and mommy. TJ, it's time to put your stuff away and get to bed, his mother gently reminded. It was time to argue with her a little and delay bedtime as long as he could. TJ pouted a little and did not start to bed. Maybe mommy would read him a story and maybe sing him a song on his way to sleep. What the hell's wrong with you? Are you deaf? It's time you get your ass kicked and start listening to your mother. Leroy shouted as he grabbed TJ by the shoulder and started dragging him off to bed. Leroy stopped for a breath and to swear more at TJ when TJ got his footing and lunged at Leroy with his hands and feet. You little bastard. I'll show you who's boss around this house. I'm not going to put up with some little bastard like you kicking me. Anytime you think you're big enough to take me on, you just try me. Leroy jammed his fist into TJ's face and picked him up and carried TJ screaming to his room. As he threw TJ onto his bed, Leroy screamed. You shut your mouth and get your ass to sleep. I ain't putting up with any more of your mouth and you not listening to your mother. TJ did not go to sleep. He was afraid to go to sleep. He laid in his bed, not moving, not breathing, experiencing terror for the first time. Mummy finally came to him. I'm sorry TJ. I never thought anything like this would happen. She sobbed and held TJ closer as she continued. You know how it was after your daddy left us. I never thought anything like this would happen. She left him for a minute and came back with a warm washcloth and a glass of milk. I hate this. You know mommy loves you. Please try to get along with Leroy. Please try not to upset him. TJ did try hard not to upset Leroy and was successful most of the time. He mostly stayed in his room when he was in the house. As often as he could, he stayed at the neighbor's or at one of his friend's house. Even then though, he could not always avoid Leroy. 
What are you doing sitting on your lazy ass when your mother needs your help in the kitchen? Quit standing there like some kind of idiot and hand me that shovel. Get the hell out of my way and let me do it. I have to do everything around here if I want it done right. Get the stupid look off your face before I take it off for you. The threat was always there and there was always the challenge, explicitly, implied, demonstrated. When you think you were big enough to tell me what to do, you just try it, you little bastard. Until then, shut your face and get the hell out of here. When TJ was not by himself in his room or spending time with Pam, his stepsister, in her room, he was at the neighbor's or overnight with a friend. And there was school, always school. By the fourth or fifth grade, TJ found his place, he belonged, he was valued and important. He was not at the head of the class but close enough to get the rewards, the attention. What he did not quite get there, he got in endless doses on the playground and on the ball teams, any kind of ball. In the 8th grade, his life found its climax in what he later thought of as a hat trick. He won the county democracy speech contest with a speech he wrote all by himself and just a little help from his history teacher. He was the most valuable player on the winning baseball team at the county tournament. Leroy broke his nose and put him in the hospital for three days. TJ was in high school the day he heard the arguing from his room but did not think much about it. His mother and Leroy got into it like that a lot. They usually yelled and screamed for a while and then Leroy left. He had to go find his friends and get drunk. It's your own fault. He was always yelled at her as his parting shot. I suppose you're going to run off and drink with those so-called friends of yours, was her usual reply. The script was always the same, except this time Leroy did not leave. TJ heard his mother yelling and then screaming, except it was not the same. Please Leroy. Please, don't, Leroy don't. TJ picked up his ball bat on his way to the kitchen. He saw Leroy hit his mother just as he got to the kitchen. She was on the floor and Leroy was pulling her hair with one hand, had one foot on her stomach, and was bent over hitting her with his other fist. Out of instinct, out of inner rage, out of blind emotion, TJ raised the bat and swung. Leroy saw the bat just in time to stop the blow with his arm. His hand came around and caught the weapon and jerked it away. He was off TJ's mother and had one hand at TJ's head and the other under his arm forcing TJ against the wall. Leroy did not say anything, could not say anything. Instead, he grasped TJ's hair and pounded his head into the wall. At the same time, he hit TJ in the stomach and then harder in the face. He slammed TJ's head against the wall and hit him and kept hitting him. When he finally stopped hitting him and let go, TJ dropped to the floor, remembering nothing until he awoke in the hospital. TJ's mother was beside his bed, but he did not see Leroy as he first found awareness and then was more alert. Leroy smiled as he said. There his mother. I told you he was a fighter. He is too tough to let an accident like that slow him down. Hi TJ, how are you boy? Even in the hospital, from within his pain, TJ understood, knew the script. The doctor leaned over him and said. You had a rough time of it. Your nose is broken, and you are pretty banged up, but you are going to be fine. You will hurt for a while but you should be good as new in a few weeks. TJ touched his hand to his face, and the doctor said. Your nose will be fine. You're just lucky you're not a girl. It should heal up fine, but even if it is a little off, you can tell them it is a football injury. Girls like that kind of thing in their men. They think it means you are sexy. 
It was the last week of school when Pam's mother came for her. I have to have you back with me. I just can't believe in a God who wants to keep us apart. My God, our God isn't that kind of God. He wants me and you to be together, no matter what I have to do. Leroy did not say much except to glare at his ex-wife and tell Pam. Go live with the bitch if that's what you want. You'll see how good you at here. Don't drag your ass back here when you wake up someday and find out what a big mistake you made. Pam hesitated and then ran to the stairs to get her things. Pam's mother looked at TJ's mother as if to ask. May I go help her? Instead of answering her, she looked at TJ and nodded. He was instantly to Pam's aid. They did not talk while Pam packed and TJ helped. All of her things, her transportable life, were neatly packed into one suitcase and a small box TJ brought from his room. Pam was finished and stood looking around the small space that had been her room. TJ said, Wait just a second, please. When he returned, he held out his closed hand to Pam. She first looked at the extended hand and then at TJ. The tears in her eyes were not noticeable and her quiet voice as she tentatively asked, What is it? TJ only opened his fingers and let the two medals drop into her hand. She glanced at them and stammered. But, these are your medals. You told me. But TJ did not let her finish. I want you to have them. Don't forget me. I love you, Pam. And me, you. She said. School finished for the year, TJ got a job working on the neighbor's farm, and it was baseball season. He did not forget the world he shared with Pam, but the days were getting warmer and the nights were growing shorter. TJ was settling into the home stretch leading to graduation and the day he would leave, could leave his painful space. His job and activities kept TJ away from home most of the time, and most nights were spent at the neighbors continuing the pattern that had developed over the years. His mother missed him and asked once or twice if he would spend more time at home but knew he would not, should not. Leroy did not seem to notice one way or the other though. He was busy with his dogs, his garden, and his friends. The only times he seemed to notice TJ was knocked around were when the garden needed weeding or the kennel needed cleaning. Where's that lazy kid? When is he going to get his ass home and do his share? But TJ's mother did not answer, no answer was expected or wanted. TJ came home when he needed clean clothes and sometimes when the summer rains kept them out of the fields or made it too muddy to work around the barn. If Leroy was out, on days like that TJ went home to see his mother and to spend some time in his room. Time remembering. Tuesday was one of those days in late July. TJ and his mother talked about the farm, the baseball season, his senior year, the rain. He devoured the pie she baked for him, and TJ and his mommy remembered the old days, the days before Leroy, although neither mentioned any of this. When Leroy came in, both TJ and his mother were surprised, disappointed. Their special moment was broken to perhaps never return. So... You finally planted your ass in my kitchen. What the hell are you doing here? I suppose you're trying to get the old lady to give you something. Who knows what the hell you'd walked out of here with if I hadn't come home. TJ's mother uncomfortably said. We were just talking. Would you like some pie? TJ did not take long slipping out of the kitchen and up to his room. He put his clean clothes into his duffel bag and tried to quietly get out the hall door to the cellar where he could get out by the outside cellar stairs without going through the kitchen. He almost made it, but just as he started to open the hall door to go down to the cellar, Leroy yelled. Get your hand off that door. You're not taking nothing out from this house. Put down that bag and get your ass on out of here. 
TJ dropped the bag, opened the door, and started down. Before he was on the first step, Leroy jerked him back and was between him and his escape. Who the hell do you think you are? If you think you can just come waltzing in here and carry off half the house, you've got another thing coming to you. And I'm just the man who can give it to you. TJ had grown past six feet and was looking down at his stepfather now. He was aware of the little man who was yelling at him. You are worse than that so-called daughter of mine. Leroy stretched up to scream louder in TJ's face. That little slut took what she wanted and then took off with that bitch of a mother of hers. And he, I suppose you think I don't know what was going on. What do you think I am, blind or something? Do you think I don't know what was going on up in that room while I was busting my ass to keep this house together? You worse than that little whore was. TJ reached for Leroy, for his throat. There was a hint of panic as Leroy said. You keep your hands off me. You just tried and I'll kick your ass all the way up between your ears. Any day you think you can handle the old man, you just try it. TJ's rage was blind. The violence within him was unbounded. The terror of a lifetime turned out to engage the source of its power. TJ forced his hands under Leroy's arms and he lifted him off the floor and slammed him against the door jamb. As Leroy fell, he swung at TJ who caught the blow with his arm. With the fury of outrage, TJ's fist crashed into Leroy's face once, twice, three times, and Leroy slumped and staggered back. TJ saw what was happening but did not reach to help. Leroy went over backwards and tumbled down the cellar stairs. TJ's mother went with the ambulance, leaving TJ to try to understand what had happened. I should have killed him. Maybe I did kill him. The sheriff arrived about two hours later. Leroy was going to be alright. He would be on crutches for a few weeks but should be fine. Leroy had told the sheriff about how TJ had attacked him for no reason, and TJ's mother had corroborated his story. The sheriff fastened the handcuffs around TJ's wrists as he said. You have a right to remain silent. You have a right. What is your take on this outcome? What's wrong with TJ's family from your perspective? As you think about TJ's family, consider this. The family system includes the people and how they get along with each other. Over time, the people change and the way they get along changes. This means the family system is also changing. Neither the people nor the way they get along with each other is quite the same from one year to the next. Your ability to understand and help your family depends in large measure on your ability to predict how your family system will change over time. How will the people change? How will the way they get along with each other change? If you can predict the changes, you have an opportunity to influence and shape the outcome. Looking at two excerpts from the vignette will help you better see the point. Leroy stopped for a breath and to swear more at TJ when TJ got his footing and lunged at Leroy with his hands and feet. You little bastard. I'll show you who's boss around this house. I'm not going to put up with some little bastard like you kicking me. Anytime you think you're big enough to take me on, you just try me. There was a hint of panic as Leroy said. You keep your hands off me. You just try it and I'll kick your ass all the way up between your ears. Any day you think you can handle the old man, you just try it. TJ forced his hands under Leroy's arms and he lifted him off the floor and slammed him against the door jamb. As Leroy fell, he swung at TJ who caught the blow with his arm. With the fury of outrage, TJ's fist crashed into Leroy's face once, twice, three times, 
and Leroy slumped and staggered back. TJ saw what was happening but did not reach to help. Leroy went over backwards and tumbled down the cellar stairs. Seeing TJ's family as a system, you could have predicted the second event from the first, even though they were over 10 years apart. Although Leroy had not changed much over the years, TJ had. He had gotten bigger, stronger, and had learned very well. When TJ was 6, Leroy taught him several things about their family system. Our relationship is based on who is bigger and stronger. We do not communicate by talking about things. Rather, we make our points by hitting and hurting. We do not work on problem solving. We handle things by force and on the basis of who is afraid of whom. Decision making is based on the emotion of the moment, especially if someone is angry. As an adolescent, TJ's style of getting along with Leroy had not changed much. Relationships, communication, problem solving, and decision making within their family had been well learned. At the cellar stairs, Leroy and TJ related it to each other through rage and without valuing each other. Their communication was angry and threatening. TJ made his decision based on what Leroy had taught him. The right way to solve his problem was to knock Leroy down the steps, and as you will recall, TJ did not try to stop Leroy's fall. Why do you think he decided not to reach to help? Thinking about other events from the vignette will reinforce the point. As you read these excerpts, consider how the family system evolves and changes over time. TJ, it's time to put your stuff away and get to bed, his mother gently reminded. It was time to argue with her a little and delay bedtime as long as he could. TJ pouted a little and did not start to bed. Maybe mommy would read him a story and maybe sing him a song on his way to sleep. TJ did not go to sleep. He was afraid to go to sleep. He laid in his bed, not moving, not breathing, experiencing terror for the first time. Mummy finally came to him. I'm sorry TJ. I never thought anything like this would happen. She sobbed and held TJ closer as she continued. You know how it was after your daddy left us. I never thought anything like this would happen. I hate this. You know mommy loves you. Please try to get along with Leroy. Please try not to upset him. TJ was in high school the day he heard the arguing from his room but did not think much about it. His mother and Leroy got into it like that a lot. They usually yelled and screamed for a while and then Leroy left. He had to go find his friends and get drunk. It's your own fault. He was always yelled at her as his parting shot. I suppose you're going to run off and drink with those so-called friends of yours. Was her usual reply. The script was always the same, except this time Leroy did not leave. TJ heard his mother yelling and then screaming, except it was not the same. Please Leroy. Please, don't, Leroy don't. The sheriff arrived about two hours later. Leroy was going to be alright. He would be on crutches for a few weeks but should be fine. Leroy had told the sheriff about how TJ had attacked him for no reason, and TJ's mother had corroborated his story. These excerpts show how the family system changed. When TJ was six, his mother tried to maintain her relationship with TJ and with Leroy by encouraging TJ to try to get along. She did not try to improve relationships work on communication, become involved in constructive problem-solving, or change the way decisions were made. Rather she just tried not to rock the boat and tried to be sure no one else rocked the boat. Knowing how the family system developed over time, does it surprise anyone that TJ's mother corroborated Leroy's explanation to the sheriff about what's happened? Probably not. 
It will aid your developing ability to understand your family system to try your hand at predicting what will happen to TJ and his family. First, how will TJ deal with the situation when he goes to court for assaulting Leroy? Keep this excerpt in mind as you think about your prediction. TJ raised the bat and swung. Leroy saw the bat just in time to stop the blow with his arm. His hand came around and caught the weapon and jerked it away. He was off TJ's mother and had one hand at TJ's head and the other under his arm forcing TJ against the wall. Leroy did not say anything, could not say anything. Instead, he grasped TJ's hair and pounded his head into the wall. At the same time, he hit TJ in the stomach and then harder in the face. He slammed TJ's head against the wall and hit him and kept hitting him. When he finally stopped hitting him and let go, TJ dropped to the floor, remembering nothing until he awoke in the hospital. TJ's mother was beside his bed, but he did not see Leroy as he first found awareness and then was more alert. Leroy smiled as he said. There his mother. I told you he was a fighter. He is too tough to let an accident like that slow him down. Hi TJ, how are you boy? Notice how Leroy lied about what happened, about how family members felt about each other, and how he played his role. Now see how TJ dealt with his court appearance. I do not know what came over me. I love my stepfather and know how much he has done for me and mother. I respect him and accept any punishment I get. You know my real father ran out on us when I was little, but that is not an excuse. I respect Leroy for turning me in and being sure I get what is coming to me, get a chance to straighten up. Although you could not have predicted the exact words, it was predictable TJ would lie and try to cover up what really happened. He had learned very well the importance of keeping family secrets. His performance in court was much the same as Leroy's in the hospital. His approach to problem solving was to put on a good face and lie. For the next 20 years or so, TJ stayed away from his family and went on with his life. One summer afternoon though, the little boy and him who missed his mother and the family he might have had returned to his mother's house to satisfy his curiosity and longing. What do you predict happened when TJ returned home 20 years later? As you read this vignette, think about how it was when TJ was growing up and about how you might have predicted how the visit would go. Now consider TJ's family 20 years later. The lane to his mother's house brought back floods of memories for TJ. The place was different, though. The trees were larger, and the gray exterior was replaced by clean, white aluminum siding. The barn sported a new coat of red paint, and the flowers and shrubs showed obvious signs of personal care. Even the garden was free from weeds, with the fresh vegetables growing in well-cultivated rows. TJ drove around to the back, held the car door for his friend Linda to get out, and took her arm as they walked to the back door. Through the screen, he could see his mother doing something at the sink and could hear the television in the background. He tapped on the screen, and when his mother turned to check on the sound, he said, Hi mom, it's me, TJ. For a moment, his mother was disoriented unable to assimilate the event into a reality. She came to the door, still struggling to give definition to the man at the door. Once the screen was open and she and her son were face to face, though, the tears came and her elation split out. TJ, is it really you? It is. It's really you. She reached for him, returning his hug and holding him in that way only understood by mothers and their sons. TJ, it's so good to see you. It's been so long. How are you? Are you doing all right? I'm fine, Mom. It's good to see you too. Get yourself in here and tell me everything. What have you been doing? 
His mother escorted him instead of allowing him to follow her to the kitchen table and pulled out a chair for him. Sit down right here and tell me all about you, about what you've been up to. TJ sat on the chair as his mother directed and turned to include Linda in the circle. Mom, this is Linda Ross. She's a friend of mine and came along for the ride. Excuse my manners. I was just so excited to see TJ that I forgot myself. I am very pleased to meet you Linda. You are welcome in my house. Come over here and pull up a chair. Let me get you some coffee, and I know TJ will need a piece of cherry pie. Coffee sounds nice but don't go to any trouble. When his mother turned to the counter to pour the coffee, TJ winked at Linda and turned his thumb up. She returned the wink, acknowledging the gesture. His mother served the coffee in big mugs and got a pie from the refrigerator, cutting TJ and Linda each a piece twice the size of a normal slice. TJ and his mother talked for almost an hour about the pie, how much TJ used to eat, the weather, how he was getting along in the city, what a fine thing it was that he was there, the new school they built west of town, how dirty he used to get when he worked for the neighbors, and all the other catching up kinds of things. TJ glanced at Linda a couple of times to be sure she was not too bored and was greeted with a smile that said, I'm fine. It's fun hearing about you and getting the history lesson. Not in any context, his mother changed the mood and direction when she asked. How are you dealing with what happened with Beth and your babies? TJ was momentarily confused. The memory of his wife and sons disoriented him. His mother had not gone to their funeral, and TJ was not sure whether she knew they had died or cared even if she did know. That was a long time ago. I didn't know you knew about that. Anyway, I'm doing fine. It was really hard at the time. I also broke my leg at the same time. Everything together was like losing everything at once. I stayed with Bub for a while, and that helped me get things back together. It was all rough for a while, but I'm fine now. What have you been up to? The place sure looks nice. His mother did not use the opening to move on to other things and avoid the real issues between her and TJ. I need to tell you TJ. Hardly a day goes by I don't think about you, think about the way it was for you, about what you must think about me. You know how it was with Leroy. Pam told me about your wife and babies and what happened but Leroy forbade me to go to the funeral. I wanted to, but he would not allow it. After that, I was too ashamed to try to get in touch with you. I didn't blame you for hating me. I had no right. Another round of coffee and an offer of more pie helped re-establish a more positive tone. Tell me about your friend, DJ. Linda and I both work at the same hospital. She is into computers. This enabled Linda to talk and become part of the conversation. How are things with Leroy these days? TJ asked, wanting to seem casual. He has really changed, DJ. He is a different man. He's not like he used to be at all. That's nice for you. What got into him? It was four years ago now. Leroy was saved. It happened after one of his bad times. You know what I mean. TJ did know what she meant so did not have to ask. His mother continued. He was really bad that time. The worst I ever saw him. I don't know how the Lord got through to him, but thank God he did. It was a real miracle. He is a new man. I'm not saying he never has a backslide, but they aren't all that bad and aren't very often. You saw the place and all. Leroy did all that himself. He almost never drinks and is real nice to me these days. It's like we got to start all over again. 
he hates himself about what happened, the way he treated you. He prays to the Lord someday you will understand and forgive him. The devil had hold of him back then and made him do awful things. He has turned his life over to the Lord and is a new man. The joy and contentment she felt was contagious. TJ smiled as he said. I am happy for you mom. After all the rough years, you deserve a nice life. I don't exactly forgive Leroy. But at least I can understand it all a little better. The place does really look nice. Did you plant the flowers? I did some of them and Leroy helped me with the rest. He mainly takes care of the garden and yard. He thinks flowers are for women. As the conversation lightened, Linda participated more, commenting on the flowers, admiring the cheerfulness of the kitchen, and the stitching on the frilly apron TJ's mother was wearing. They turned down the offer of supper but did accept a sandwich and chips, not wanting to hurt her feelings. It was nearly time to go when they heard the car in the drive and the attractive young woman came in, followed by a little girl and a boy who could have been her twin except he was about a foot taller and four or five years older. Here's Pam and her two kids, TJ's mother said, gating up to make room for Pam at the table. Look who is here, Pam. Pam stopped short, looking at TJ and then at Linda. Pam's blue eyes squinted, taking up slightly more of her narrow face than was quite in proportion, and her tall. Slender body was barely covered by her shorts and halter top. Her brown hair hung loosely beyond her shoulders, and she projected an obvious confidence. Hi TJ. It's really good to see you. You look like life has been good to you. Hi Pam. You look like things have turned out pretty well for you too. Once introductions were complete and Pam had her mandatory mug of coffee, the catching up started anew. Linda was less involved but not uncomfortable with her observer status. Her attention was split between the conversation and an unfamiliar jealousy as she watched Pam. Linda finally realized what she was feeling and was amused with herself, although her vaguely negative opinion of Pam stayed. That's enough about me. Tell me about your life Pam. TJ said. As you can see, I have two kids, Tommy and Michelle. He is 10 and is going into the 6th grade. She is 6 and will be in the 2nd. They are pretty good kids. Their daddy sells cars and we do okay. As for me, I went to the community college for two years and got my degree in office science. I help out at the office part-time. We live in Langston, and what else is there to tell? Pam swallowed the rest of her coffee, got up, and was back out the door before anyone could say anything. She was in the yard and yelling for her children as TJ's mother said. I will never understand that girl. She sure is good to those kids though. Leroy thinks the world of her now that he got straightened out. The visit was at that awkward place between being over and not quite finished. TJ did not want to leave without asking. Where's Leroy? The truth is he is out in the barn. I guess he saw you pull in and is too embarrassed to look you in the eye. He really feels bad about all that happened. I can't ask you to talk to him. That's something you will have to work out for yourself. TJ looked at the decorative clock on the kitchen wall and said. It's almost 7.30. It's getting about time for us to go. I'm glad I came though mom. It is good to see you. I will be back. Can't you spend the night? No. We have a room paid for in town and need to get back first thing in the morning. I'm just glad you came. Please come back and see me as soon as you can. I have really missed you. Once outside, TJ's mother gave them the tour of the yard and flowers giving special attention to the garden. They stood by the car and talked a while longer, 
And finally there were hugs and kisses and promises to visit more often. There was even a hug and kiss on the cheek for Linda and an open invitation to come along with TJ anytime. Linda was already in the car and TJ was about to get in when Leroy joined them, first on the edge and then more centrally. He did not say anything until TJ was in the car and starting the motor. Thank you for coming to see your mother, TJ. Maybe we can talk the next time you come back. Leroy squatted down so he could see Linda and added. You are welcome back to Missy. Linda smiled, but neither she nor TJ answered. As they pulled into the lane and were driving away, they could see in the mirror that Leroy and TJ's mother had walked to the side of the house so they could watch the car disappear down the lane and over the hill. Now you know so there you go.